Hi there, folks. Thanks for joining us for the Young UC podcast. My name is Tim, and it's great to have you with us. This podcast is for Sunday, March 14th, 2021. And tomorrow, if you're listening on the 14th anyway, I believe marks the one-year anniversary since um, Young United Church last worshipped together in our sanctuary. Uh, It's sort of around the one-year mark for a lot of uh, things around this pandemic that have happened for, for many of us. Many of you who are listening, I'm sure, can can look back to a year ago and mark sort of the date, give or take a week, uh, that this became very real and when it struck close to home. Um, and so, yeah, so we, we kind of hold that in our hearts, we hold that in our heads, um, and we hold that in our spirits as we as we journey in this Lenten season. It seems like this past year has been, well, a Lenten journey of sorts. And so I pray in the midst of this that you have peace, that you find peace. May the spirit of love be upon you even in the midst of struggle, in the midst of difficulty. Um, Our scripture reading for today comes from the Gospel of Luke. It's Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. This is the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And so I hope this passage, uh, uh, this meditation, this podcast gives you some thoughts on it anyway. Uh, Just a shout out to the Narrative Lectionary. I love to tell the story podcast. A lot of the ideas from this I got from from listening to that this week. So um, there's a bit of a a shout out to them. yeah, let's pause, let's, let's catch our breath, and may be blessed. Let's join our hearts together in prayer. Holy God, may the words from my mouth and the meditations in all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Amen. This past week I was thinking about something a very wise friend once told me. And they said, You can recognize a lot about where you fit in the world by how you feel when a police car drives by. And this isn't to judge it one way or the other. But I know when I see a car, a police car go by in my neighborhood or when I'm at work or something like that, I inherently feel safer. My gut reaction is to just relax just a little bit. The culture I was raised in Uh, My experience has been one of safety, one of support, one of care. And that tells me where I fit in the world. I'm in a pretty privileged position to feel that way. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for that even more so because I recognize that not everyone feels that way.
In our scripture reading for today, in the story of Lazarus and the rich man, we get a reminder that these two characters live across a chasm from one another, across a divide. In the scripture, it's, it's, it's a literal gate. You have the rich man on one side and Lazarus on the other, waiting for food, hoping to get some of the scraps thrown out by the rich man. But there's this boundary, this border, this wall, as I said, this chasm which keeps them apart. Sometimes it's easy to recognize these chasms. It's easy to recognize these boundaries. Um, you know, in gated communities, they're there. I remember being in, in Latin America a few times when I was either in, um, well, when I was in El Salvador, the, the place that, that we stayed in, uh, had this massive wall around it and, and you know, um, broken glass all around it and barbed wire and everything in it. And there was a visual sense of security and safety for us within those walls. There's even a, a, an armed guard at the, at the entry into the place we were staying. Sometimes they're less so. Like as I said, the, the sense of security I get when police come by um, versus the sense of insecurity others get. That one's a little less tangible, a little uh, more difficult to see. But there's all sorts of chasms in the world. So there are the, the geographic, there's the, the, the gated community versus the, 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 the outside world. There's different neighborhoods. You know, what, what neighborhood you live in can say a lot about you. If you live in a, a wealthy neighborhood, a middle-class neighborhood, a, a neighborhood that's, that's struggling, that has a, a lot of marginalized people in it. Um, and it goes beyond that level to the level of nations. I mean, here in Canada, most people are incredibly privileged by virtue simply of being born in Canada. We have access to a lot of opportunities that many people in the rest of the world don't have access to, only dream about. Now, there's various strata within Canada as well. But relative to the rest of the world, much of Canada, not all, because there are places where, um, you know, that privilege is, is absolutely denied. I think of uh, indigenous communities that have been under boil water advisories for years. Um, those pop to mind. But many parts of Canada have it pretty good with our health care, with our access to education, 
with all sorts of things. And those are other uh, examples of, of, of chasms that divide, that keep some people in and others out. Education is a good example of it. If you have access to education, that gives you a leg up. And some people uh, only have access to education because their families have access to education. You know, it, it, it becomes a, a bit of a spiral, a bit of a system. Um, you know, so education can keep some people in and others out, whether you have access to that. I think of the political chasms. In the world, there are some people who have access to, to uh, political power and some, many who don't. Even in Canada, the access we have to political power varies. Yes, we all have the right to vote, but some people have, uh, you know, more access through lobbyists, through other, uh, uh, other means to advance political agendas. So these are all examples of chasms that divide the privileged from the not privileged. And it's not like you either are or aren't. There's a whole spectrum and some of us can, can be on the inside in some ways and on the outside in others. Um, we see it with, with financial, financial power and wealth. We see it with uh, uh, racial privilege, gender privilege, orientation privilege. All sorts of ways and means that the system helps to keep people apart. And it goes beyond people. I mean, species. There is a, a division, a chasm between humanity and the natural world. We have tremendous power more and more over the natural world. And we're starting to see the consequences of that. As we begin to learn that we can look at the natural world as, as an oppressed class under the power of humanity. So there are chasms. Chasms to keep groups out. the wrong groups out and the right groups in and safe and secluded. This story that Jesus tells of, of Lazarus and the rich man, it has this chasm. Uh, Lazarus goes to the rich man. He wants support food he 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 doesn't get it the rich man is behind his his wall across this divide and it's a divide that lazarus cannot cross and the rich man is quite fine with that in fact it's only after they both die and then there's another chasm a far greater, though metaphorical one that arises 
that the rich man can't cross. And he begins to understand ooh, what it's like not to be able to cross. Now, what's interesting in this story, just as an aside, is the rich man, and, and this I got out of the narrative lectionary podcast, I'd never really noticed this before, pointed out that, that even still, the rich man, what does he want of Lazarus? He still wants Lazarus to serve him. Even though he's down in, in Hades and Lazarus is up with Abraham, uh, the rich man still is, wants, to cross, wants, Abraham, or wants Lazarus to cross that chasm, but to serve him. So there's still this inherent belief in, in the importance of those divides, of those social divides. There's still this, this inherent sense uh, that the rich man has that he mm, deserves to be served and is of superior stock and value than Lazarus is. And that's why he says, well, send Lazarus to come and, and, and bring me some water. Now this story, I think it's meant to do two things when Jesus told it. And I think it remains to do those two things. The first is that it honors and holds up that, that, that liberation ethos of the preferential option for the poor. That whenever we're reading scripture, um, we find that God has a preference for the underclass, for the marginalized. I mean, that's throughout scripture. We can argue with that, but it, it's there. It's really hard to argue with it. And so we think about, you know, those, those, those marginalized groups. We think about the poor. We think about refugees. We think about children who are, you know, caught or, or, or civilians who are caught in the middle of violence. Uh, people, more powerful people with guns and weapons and how people are often caught in the middle of that and die and lose everything of refugees scrambling to get away and, and start a better life for their family only to have doors, walls built, doors shut in their faces. You know, thinking about uh, the environmental decay that has not been caused by many of these creatures and animals that are suffering the consequences and many humans who are bearing the, the brunt of the cost initially anyway. Um, are in areas that had the least to do with causing climate change, you know? Um, the first thing that this does when we talk about God having a preferential option for the poor is it offers hope. It offers a sense of, of justice. It offers a sense that, you know, the world and its systems were pretty crappy to you, pretty awful to you. But don't worry, God's on your side. It offers a sense of hope, of belonging. That existence isn't just about you getting beat up on, 
that there's more. That the world can turn around, that God is going to work for that, that justice will be found. That God is on your side and wants to make the world right and wants to make whatever your existence is or was right. So there's hope in that. The other thing that it does is that it challenges those who are on well, on one side of the chasm, one side of the divide. It challenges those rich folk amongst us. And I use that, again, in, in quotes, but recognizing that, um, that in Canada, that many people listening to this, if we have access to internet to even watch this and listen to this, um, well, that we're in a privileged place. My immediate reaction to reading this story is one of discomfort. Because I inherently know which side of the divide I'm on. I inherently recognize that, I mean, I'm not rich, but relative to the rest of the world, yeah, I'm very rich. Maybe not so in Canada, but relative to humanity, yeah. That my skin color, that my gender, that my orientation, that so many things keep me safe keep me secure, that so many systems have been built in our world to protect me and keep me feeling okay and well and keep me feeling secure and keep me separated from the other. So this story challenges that. Now, Jesus doesn't just tell this story saying, well, you're screwed, Tim. Instead, I think there's an offer here. And the offer here is to cross that chasm. In a world with so many systems in place to keep us divided, to keep us apart, to keep us even from, from, from seeing, much less intimately knowing and building relationship with those others on the other side of the divide, 
with those folks who aren't part of my neighborhood, with those, those folks who, who aren't in my economic, socioeconomic class, with folks who have a, a different skin color from me. In a world with so many systems which work so hard to keep those divisions in place, the invitation here is to cross that chasm. And that's the ministry of Jesus. When you read the Gospels, the ministry of Christ is a ministry of crossing those boundaries, crossing those divisions, crossing those chasms, and building relationships. And we can do that in our world. We must be able to. We have to be able to. We're called to do that. We're called to reach across racial boundaries, economic boundaries. We're called to reach across uh, species boundaries, ecological boundaries, national boundaries, whatever. Because the call to Christians is the call to crossing those divides. And while those systems are strong and while those systems are powerful and while it seems like we can't tear them down, the best thing we can do to destroy those systems, to challenge them and to make a new world in God's image is to cross those chasms. Not just vote the right way, not just think, oh, that's nice, I'm not racist. All those nice, easy, liberal things to do. But the call and the challenge is to cross those boundaries. So how do you do it? How do you move from saying not just those folks are good, but to going over there and saying those folks are my folks? Thanks be to God. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Young UC podcast. If you liked what you heard, you can go to youngunitedchurch.com. There you can connect with worship, hear past sermons and music, and learn a little bit more about who we are and some of the outreach that we do. All of our work in the world from supporting outreach in Winnipeg to sponsoring refugees to creating content for listeners like you is supported by donations. If you'd like to support us, please find us through Canada Helps or directly through our website. Thanks very much and have a good day.